Welcome aboard! We will be your guides during this magical journey into the movies. It's the perfect job for us because we love the movies. It's showtime! Ready when you are, CB! Action! Welcome to Monoreal Radio. I'm Sean. And I'm Jackie. And we are excited to be here to give you guys a trip report, tell you about what our couple of days down in Disney was like. I mean, truth be told, we were not even going to do a trip report, but we had a lot of people ask for it because you guys love hearing trip reports. And we had some of you that didn't even ask. You just said, I'm looking forward to your trip recap and trip report. So we figured, okay, we'll go ahead and do it because... Even for us, this was a very abridged trip to Disney. You know, we were only on property for four days. But I have to tell you that in a year that has been everything but normal, the most normal four days of my life since St. Patrick's Day were the four days we got to spend on Disney property. Yes, this was the light at the end of a very long, dark tunnel. And we were very much looking forward to it. And it was great to just be down there different though it was in the Disney bubble for a couple of days. I do want to preface this though, because for as many people that requested a trip report, there are also equally as many people that are still giving us flack for even going. So with that in mind, first off, Sean and I have tested positive for antibodies. So we feel a little bit differently about being able to travel than most uh, you know, we're still obviously being very cautious, but yeah, it's not at a it's not a get out of jail free card. Yeah, I didn't go and like lick the seat tray in front of me <laughs> on the plane just because I have antibodies. She totally did. She's lying. <laughs> well, you know, I just I typically go around licking things. <laughs> um, but yeah, with with that in mind, we were still very careful. But I think we also felt a little bit more confident traveling at this point than most. So that's one thing to keep in mind. The other thing to keep in mind is that we also had a wedding. Um, and this, the wheels were in motion for this trip. A year and a half ago. It exactly. was a long time ago. And normally we go in November for our anniversary, but because we had the wedding in October, we had never been to Not So Scary. We had never been to Horror Nights. So we built those days onto our trip and we were very much looking forward to them. And obviously... That's not how this went down. But we decided not to cancel. As I said, we had the wedding. We we added time on to visit family. And, you know, it was nice just to have a little bit of a breather. And I'm really glad that we didn't cancel our time in Disney. Right. I mean, that was it. It was sort of a come hell or high water we were going because there was no way we were going to miss the wedding that we were going to miss. It was just, you know, there was no way that was going to happen. Visiting a family member of mine who's very sick. Um, and, and request, honestly, he requested that we come. Um, I don't want people to think that we were being irresponsible, but he had basically said, COVID or not, I want you to be here. Um, and we'll just leave it there. Um, so, okay, let's, let's get, because a, as weird as this is, in four days, there's a lot to talk about. But it really starts even before we got there. Um, so just hear us out on this because we learned a couple of really important things about travel, about what airlines you do want to fly, and what airlines you don't want to fly. And the airline that we don't want to fly is an airline that we keep saying we're not going to use, but we keep doing it anyway, and we have officially 
separated ourselves from Southwest Airlines. There is a big story here. And honestly, like, I can't stress enough, like, really listen to this if you do plan on traveling because our our trip almost didn't happen. And I'm going to throw it to you because you were the one that was really handling this because you handle this better than I can. Well, with all that being said, I have about 500 points on Southwest if anybody would like to purchase them. No, you, I, Should you no, decide no, 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 no. to travel? You can have them. I will give them yeah. to you for free to get us away from Southwest. And and I think that was why we were flying them because they were we close had the to points. home. We had some points. We did pay extra for certain amenities, and we will get into all of that. Um, but it started with us booking a nonstop flight from Long Island to West Palm Beach. That was quite some time ago. Jackie... You're on the floor. Let's go. <laughs> About three months after we had booked this flight, this nonstop flight, we got an email that it had been canceled and we were going to have to connect in Baltimore, um, which is super annoying because from Long Island, you're in the air for about 45 minutes. To get to Baltimore. You, you yeah. barely even level off. Uh, and then you got to go through the whole rigmarole of transferring planes and, and whatever. And initially, we were supposed to be landing in West Palm by 1 o'clock in the afternoon. So when they canceled that first flight, the connector had us getting in at like 7 o'clock. So I got on the phone and I was like, on what planet do you think that I'd prefer to be in six hours later? So they accommodated us. They switched the flight to a much earlier one so that we'd be getting in by 11 um, Basically everything we tried to avoid. Otherwise, we would have flown JetBlue nonstop out of JFK. But we didn't want to be on our way to the airport at 3 o'clock in the morning. Which, whatever. That's that's here nor there at this point. Uh, because the more egregious thing that happened was that they canceled our flight a second time and failed to tell us about it. This so, is the connector from Baltimore to West Palm. Right, because I'm getting emails a week before we were traveling telling me about the weather in Baltimore. And I thought, surely I'm just on the wrong email blast. Or maybe I'm getting this because, you know, they're factoring in that we are going to land there at some point, whatever. But then the day before our trip... The I, day before our trip. I got another email confirming our final destination in Baltimore. And I was like, where is the West Palm flight? So I called again and they did cancel the initial one. And luckily they were able to make it right. They got us on another one. It was only 15 minutes later than we were initially supposed to get in. So it was fine. We, we still had most of our first day. Oh, no, no, no. But it's not fine. Here's my, here's the, here's my big issue. I can understand we live in trying times. How do you wait until the day before to send an itinerary? Their answer was, oh, we forgot to tell you your connector was canceled. But they didn't forget not to refund my money when Bingo. I paid for West Palm but was only getting Baltimore. Right. A flight that from Long Island is usually like, 50 bucks because it is literally a 45 minute flight you you took the florida money and didn't refund it and you were going to leave us in baltimore and the other concern was that 
now what happens to our luggage? Because as Sean put it, if you can't handle telling us that our flight was changed, how can I trust that internally you're going to communicate about these bags? Oh, no, not changed. Canceled. Right. Canceled. They canceled our our flight to our final destination and would not have told us. We only found this out because... You got an email and you looked over the itinerary because something, as to quote a line from Ace Ventura, something ain't stirring the Kool-Aid right, and you got concerned. So you figured it out. So I get on the phone with Southwest. I'm telling you this story because this is something that was so interesting to me, and it was an education. Everything about what happened was an education. I called them and I said, your communication is so putrid, my words exactly. You couldn't tell us that you canceled our final destination. I don't know that I can trust that you will communicate that our bags need to get on our rescheduled flight. Because now, this is less than 24 hours before. I mean, our flight was leaving at 6 o'clock in the morning, and I'm on the phone with Southwest at 5 in the afternoon after I got home from work. And so... Uh, you know, we we did the right thing. We packed a carry-on bag with two days' worth of clothes. The wedding clothes. The wedding clothes. Fully prepared for we're never going to see our luggage. And the woman on the phone with Southwest, who was actually quite friendly and very helpful, said, okay, let me go and look. And she goes on the computer and she goes, okay, um, so here's the thing. I can guarantee that your bags will be on this flight because you're on a connector. And I said, well, of bleeping course I'm on a connector. I'm getting off of one plane, getting onto another to get to my final destination. Well, that's not that's not necessarily a connector. And I was like, I don't, I don't understand. Could you explain this to me to the point that I'd understand where I'm flying to Baltimore, changing a plane in Baltimore to get to West Palm? Explain to me how that flight's not a connector. And she said that there are certain flights that are designed specifically as connectors. Meaning, it's really only available to those who are utilizing it as a connector. Somebody flying, uh, flying from Long Island, somebody from Chicago, somebody from Boston. You, you'll get three planes worth of people from three different destinations, which is really smart during a pandemic. And I'm only realizing that now. Um, <laughs> and they'll, they'll put you all on one flight that is really not available to be booked commercially. It is there for the explicit purpose of being a connector. So in other words, because it's a connector, she could guarantee our bags. However, if that was not deemed a connecting flight, let's say it was a nonstop flight, that you could buy on the Southwest website from Baltimore to West Palm Beach that anybody could have booked and they put us on it, they would not have guaranteed that our bags would made it, which is infuriating within itself. But that was an education I didn't think I'd ever receive traveling on an airline. Right. And that is the point of our rant here is make sure that you are, if you're going to travel, check your itineraries because things are constantly changing. I mean, we know, we understand that they're not booking these flights to capacity. You can't, you have to social distance. At the time that we flew, they were still not booking the middle seats. But what they are going to try to do is, even though the planes are at a limit, limited capacity, they're still going to try and hit that exact capacity. So things are going to change. Uh, and we we promise we're getting around to the Disney part. But I just thought it was important to mention, not just because of our personal experience, but for me being a vacation planner as well, these are all things that 
we're going to have to adjust for. And it was things that I wasn't even thinking about because I was more concerned with, you know, cleanliness and, and distancing. Right. And not how the actual logistics would be affected. Well, I think, you know, also we've gotten so accustomed to things being a certain way with an airline that it, it just becomes very automatic. It's almost robotic where you know that you don't really necessarily have to check all these things every time you're getting ready to get on a plane. And thankfully, you had the wherewithal to do it. Well, speaking of robotic, um, this is also something to factor in if you are making the decision whether or not you want to travel. Um for as much as the TSA and the airline tries to do everything right, there's still the human condition. So when we were boarding the plane, Southwest would call us up 10 at a time. Everybody was spaced out. But that didn't stop the rest of a group when they were called from crowding the area to line up. And for as much as Southwest was trying to limit the amount of people in that area there were still people that came and, and tried to line up. The kid in Baltimore was getting so pissed off about it. It was hysterical. Yeah, the he people, was pretty great. <laughs> yeah, the people in New York, they were kind of calm about it, but the kid in Baltimore, you could he had had enough. I'll just leave it there. He had had enough. And he, and he, he and let had us no know. problem making it known on the microphone. Which it was I, actually I, which pretty Which I liked funny. it, actually. I was like, you know what? We need more of him. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so boarding was okay. However, deplaning, that plane touched down, everybody was up out of their seats, everybody was grabbing their bags, everybody was crowding the aisle. Um, so that's just something to keep in mind that for as much as things are, are trying to be regulated, there are some people that are still just not listening. And Most I'll, I'll leave it at that because I don't want to get preachy about it. But the point is, if you make the decision to travel these are these are things that you have to think about as far as your comfort level, because even if you're OK with it, you're still putting yourself in a situation and things are not going to be perfect. They're just not right. Um, and I'm it just drives me crazy seeing people. And there were people that were like, you know, you, they're trying to make small talk with others on the plane talking about poor response and blah, blah, blah. And this isn't going away. And then literally bumping people with their elbow to get to their bag so they can be the first person off the plane when they're seven seats back. So it's, listen, if it doesn't go away, it's because of people like that. I mean, yes, responses, there's something to be said for it, but we can all play our part. And it's great because everybody loves to share the we're all in this together meme, but very few people are actually abiding by that and living by that. Which was proof just on the airplane before you even got anywhere else. Okay, let's get to the Disney portion. Because, again, things to keep in mind. You know, we've always flown directly into MCO, gotten on the Magical Express. It's become mechanical for us. It's become automatic. In this case, we did something very different. We had a rental car because we were driving around visiting family, going to the wedding, and then we had the idea, drop the rental at MCO, get on the Magical Express, and go to the hotel, because we've always relied on Magical Express. This is something you should keep in mind, especially if you are driving into Orlando, looking to utilize. We've never done it, and a lot of learning experiences here for us. When we tried to set up our coach to take us from MCO to the resort, they could not set one up right away because we could not provide a flight number 
because we were not flying into MCO. So basically what we were told was when you arrive, go to the Magical Express, speak to a cast member, and they will get you on the next available coach bus. Right. And I have had people that have booked with me that have done it before. They drove in. They went up to a cast member and they got on the next leaving bus. And it's it's never been a problem. But my concern in this situation is because everything does need to be reserved ahead of time. And we are distancing. What happens if we cannot get on a Magical Express for another hour? Just because they didn't have us. They didn't factor us in. They didn't know there's two more people coming. And we, we could have been at that airport for like three hours. And so this is where Disney is doing a great job. They are. I just wanted some sort of confirmation that we could get on and that we weren't going to be turned away because we didn't have a flight number. So what ended up happening was where we dropped off the rental, it's a different terminal than the Magical Express. So we had our bags. Sean's golf bag made it down, thank goodness. Uh, The carry-on, the laptop, everything. We had a lot of stuff. And I said, I don't want to walk over from terminal A to B and then find out we can't get on the Magical Express and then just have to come back here to get a cab. So we ended up paying the cab, which was $65 from MCO to Pop Century. So the moral of this story is make sure you're on a Magical Express. Yeah, and by the look on the face of Lisa from the castle run when we told her how much we had paid... um, I get the feeling that they are price gouging at MCO on the taxis. So do keep that in mind and do budget that in. I will. There is something to be said, though. From the time we got on uh, property at MCO, all right, we dropped the rental car off at 9.15 in the morning. We were on a Disney bus by 10.15. So in an hour from getting to the airport, getting dropped at our resort, and checking in, It was an hour, and we were on a bus to our next destination on Disney property. So something else to factor in, as much as I love Magical Express, let me talk about the check-in process. Everything about the way Disney handled this, in my opinion, was totally spot-on, completely lights out. We had done advanced check-in on the My Disney Experience app, um, and we actually had to pick up our Magic Bands at... Pop Century, which was the hotel we were staying at, because keep in mind, everything's running a little bit slower right now, and we were concerned with whether or not the Magic Bands would arrive in time for our travel, because as far as Disney knows, we're arriving on the 25th of October. They don't know that we're leaving the 21st of October. They might think, okay, the 21st, the 22nd, the 23rd, they'll have their magic bands in enough time for check-in. In theory, that's correct if we're leaving on the 25th and flying in on the 25th. But we wanted to leave ourselves that padding when it came to getting the magic bands. So we did all the advanced check-in online. And when I went into the lobby to actually get the magic band, there was somebody there waiting because they had an entire shelf of magic bands. Because um, I think they're just accounting for you know, extra time for travelers. And And things being slower in the mail. Exactly. The mail, too. It's not just Disney. It's also the mail. So when I went there, I didn't even have to get anywhere near the desk. The cast member was wonderful. Can I have your name? I gave them the name. I showed them the reservation on the app. She walked right over. 
had the box, gave us our magic bands, 45 seconds, maybe it was 45 seconds, and we had our magic bands on. So everything they did, from the moment we got there to the moment we left, and we'll obviously we'll dissect this a little bit more as we go day by day, um, everything they did was was textbook. I think it was textbook for how you handle, you know, a, a, a resort during quarantine or during during COVID, I should say. Right. So while Sean was on the magic bands, I was waiting to get our luggage checked because our room wasn't ready yet. That's, again, not a knock at Disney. We were just there very, very early. We weren't expecting it to be ready. Um, something to keep in mind, even if you do take the Magical Express, you are responsible for your own bags. They do not take them from the airport right to your room. So this is something that you might experience as well. Um, if you want to get to the parks or springs right away, you're going to have to check your bags if your room isn't ready. Um, so that process was much faster than I expected it to be. Uh, they were totally ready to go. They counted up each piece that we had uh, and they stored it away for us and they did actually bring it to our room. We did not have to go back and get it later because we got back to the hotel it was Pro late. it was late. It was probably after eleven. Uh, but our luggage was delivered to the room when it was ready. Yeah, that Disney magic that they're so known for. Um, all right, so we get on a bus because I want to talk about. Uh, you were very excited for those who followed the social media uh, to try the nightmare snacks at the Grand Floridian. Yes. Um, let's talk about these for a minute. So we took a bus to Magic Kingdom even though we weren't going to Magic Kingdom, and then we hopped the monorail to get to uh, the Grand. I also just wanted to see it because, like we said before, we have never seen the fall decorations, and I just wanted to see the Mickey decorations up close. And you got to see the Mickey Jack-O-Lantern in the wreath. And then I tried to get in and be the 1,000th happy haunt. That yeah. was all I wanted. It was. I will say this. We didn't have the kingdom plan for this trip. And that was by design because we didn't want to be going on a lot of rides, but it was difficult standing outside those gates knowing that we weren't going in. Yeah. But we go to the Grand and we grab the nightmare snacks. We had the Sally Whoopie Pie and the Jack uh, cake, cake pop. pop, which I think was a pumpkin pie or a pumpkin spice pumpkin spice it was the best cake pop i have ever had in my life it's it was the best i've ever had first of all it's about the size of a candy apple i thought i had it wrong and i was like oh did they just do jack as a, a caramel apple but no it's just a huge cake pop which for eight bucks i was like geez eight dollars for a cake pop but you know we're in disney uh, and I'm thinking it's like a traditional. No, this thing was at least the size of a baseball, if not the size of an apple. It was delicious. It was it wasn't overly sweet. It also didn't like so many things now attack you with the pumpkin flavor. Um, the Sally Whoopie Pie was a sugar bomb, though. That was I will disgusting. Say that. that was absolutely disgusting. And uh, I don't I don't typically say that about anything I eat on property, but that was gross. I would not suggested at all those snacks by the way can be found at the gasparilla island grill uh which we had never been to before there's tables outside and you get a lovely view of the castle and you can see the monorail going past i mean it's it's far it's far in a distance it's probably a great spot i mean it's probably the worst kept secret i bet that's a popular spot for fireworks yeah if you're staying uh at the grand 
but it it was awesome. It was definitely a million dollar view. Yeah. So we went from there to Disney Springs to go have our monorail meetup at um, or monorail meetup at uh, Dockside Margaritas, which was a lot of fun. Uh, it was great to interact with some people. I mean, that's I think what I was so happy about um, getting down there was human interaction. We had actually discussed this on our last day with a, a nice couple, uh, Stephen and Diana, who we met at the boathouse, um, where so many people are just afraid to interact with each other here that going down there and people being able to social distance and sit outside and enjoy a meal and enjoy a, a cocktail, but conversing, it was just like genuine human interaction was something I didn't feel think that I would miss and I didn't realize how much I missed it until we got to dockside yeah it was really that's always our first stop it's it's the place that we feel most at home where you can finally just kind of sit back relax and and just take it in that you're on vacation so it was really just nice to be there that was the most normal I have felt in a while yeah so then after a couple of margaritas we went shopping and bought things that we didn't need but it's That's what always you do. a good idea. It's what you know. World of Disney is just right there. Um, and then actually, we had another first. We had two firsts in the same day. Two firsts in the same moment. The first time eating at Sanaa, which everybody has raved about, and it was our first time. In spite of the fact that we have been communicating with them for two years, it was the first time we actually got to spend time with Brendan and Catherine from Detour to Neverland. They are as wonderful in person as they seem on the show. I, In fact, I'd say they are even better in person. Uh, if you guys haven't listened to them yet, make sure you go and subscribe. Give them a listen. It's a great show. But um, we had a really nice time and a great dinner. I understand now why people rave about the bread service at Sanaa. I thought it's a bunch of pita bread with spread. What's the big deal? It's not until you eat it that you realize... I have been missing out for a very long time. It was amazing. Um, I like how they lay all the dips out and the spreads from the least spicy to the most spicy. You didn't get very far. I didn't get past the third one. On that tray. Um, but they were everything I tried was amazing. Yeah. And it was nice to have something at Animal Kingdom Lodge that we enjoyed in terms of meal because we've eaten at Boma twice because everybody's told us Boma, 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 Bona. Uh, I, I don't really think Boma is anything to write home about. So it was nice to have somewhere else that we could go because I think Sanaa, Sanaa's worth the hype. I had a New York strip steak. They cooked it perfectly. Um, it's salmon. It was it was excellent. I mean, I I eat a lot of salmon, but this was this is up there in the top five. Uh, worth noting, though, Sanaa is the only show in town right now because Boma's a buffet and they can't be doing that. Right. Well, when everything reopens, given the choice, Sana I'm going all to the way. Sanaa all the way, one hundred percent. Um, and then I actually played golf with Brendan on Monday morning at Disney's Oak Trail Course. They were excellent about making sure that people were distanced inside. Um, and, and, and the same can be said for um, Disney Springs. They did a really good job with the distancing. 
They had markers laid out everywhere. The restaurants were good about plexiglass and distancing people at the bars and blocking off chairs and blocking off tables. World of Disney, too, was heavily monitored with how many people were inside at any given point. Yeah, I mean, at one point there was a line to get in because they were not letting any more people in um, because they were trying to keep everything safe and sound. Tons of hand-washing stations, tons of Purell. They, I didn't find one station that was out of soap or out of hand sanitizer. Mm. And that was, that was in the parks, on the property, and at Disney Springs. And by on the property, I mean the resorts. Um, but Disney Springs as well. Everything was excellent. And the same goes for the golf course. Um, we did these robo-caddies where you put your golf bag on... It, it, how do I explain this? It looks like a cross between a Segway and a wheelbarrow and you put your golf bag on it and then you clip a transponder onto the back of your belt and you turn it on and as you walk, the thing follows you. I was con- I was concerned that it was Skynet, that it was going to end my life, um, but I lived to tell the tale and for a lousy 10 bucks, so worth it to rent these things. It was so much fun. And surprisingly, you didn't get bumped. Yep. Because I had asked Brendan to take video if Sean wasn't paying attention and this thing actually came up behind him and bumped him. Well, I did have one scary moment where I took a turn too sharp and they had said, be careful with your turns. But it, and it was like the eighth hole. So we were only playing nine. So like I'm in cruise control and I took a sharp term, uh, turn and it almost went off a bridge. In fact, the first wheel started to go <laughs> and I had to shut it off and run and grab it and catch it and put it in neutral. And they're like, let's show you how to do it because it's going to happen to one of you. And it happened to me. Um, this is the first time hearing about that. Yeah. So I was saving it for the show. Um, but really good time. Course was in good conditions. Greens were slow. Um, but, uh, definitely I've played a few of the Disney courses, Oak Trail and Magnolia. Um, if you're a golfer, they are, they are top notch. They are just so much fun to go and play and they're reasonably priced. I think they are very reasonably priced for what they ask for greens fees there compared to some of the greens fees I pay in New York to play courses that are not of the same caliber or quality. And then we got back to the, well, I got back to the room. Um, It was about 11 o'clock in the morning. We played early and Jackie's best friend, who is a cast member, had told us, I'm kidnapping you. And usually when he says something like that, it means we're doing something fun. It always means we're doing something fun. Right. Uh, in this case, he surprised us with a day at Animal Kingdom, which we were not expecting. Um, after Not So Scary and Horror Nights got canceled, the only park that we were going to do was Epcot for Food and Wine Festival. Uh, so I was really happy that we got to squeeze in a second park, even though really all we did was just walk around and eat and drink, um, which is really what more could you ask for? Yeah, I mean, we got on two attractions. Um, well, first off, before we even get to the attractions, let's talk about what it's like getting into the parks because the same can be said for both Epcot and Animal Kingdom, and I'm sure the same holds true for the other parks as well. Um, and they were doing this at Disney Springs, actually. Uh, temperature checks. So they had Advent Help had tents set up. So when you got up to the gate, the first thing you had to do sanitize your hands because they had the sanitizer there. So you sanitize your hands, you go for a temperature check. Usually there's three people uh, checking temperatures. So the weights were, we never waited actually. We never did. 
Now, mind you, it's Central Florida. It can be 95 degrees. You could sweat because you're walking quite a bit. So if you do scan a temperature, they have cool-off stations where they put you off to the side, they fan you, they get you water because it is possible that you are not actually sick. You're just overheated. You're just overheated. But, I mean, after a half an hour or so, if they scan you again and you still have a temperature, I believe it's at that point that they will not let you into the property, which is the right thing to do. Right. But the point is, you do get a second chance if you spike a temperature. They're not going to eject you immediately. Right. Well, your friend who works there had said that he had he was running a hot temperature just by virtue of it was hot outside. And he's like, I was running around all day and then I had to park far away and I ran to the door because I had to meet people and I was running late. So, of course, he's going to run a little bit hotter. But he said a half an hour later in the cool off scan him. He didn't have a temperature. He's good to go in. Um, So keep that in mind as well. Don't freak out if. If you do run hot um, the first time they scan you. But that was really good. It was very fast. Um, Security line, very fast. Get through the gate, very fast. And a lot of this is by virtue of it's getting broken up between security and, and the checkpoints. But there's also just less people there. It also goes a little bit faster because you're only touching the band to the mickey icon you are obviously not doing your fingerprints yeah they they covered up all of uh the sensors where the fingerprint scan is and then we got in and they continued to knock the social distancing out of the park with the markers at all of the queues we basically walked on to flight of passage um just to give you an idea for how slow it was Satuli Cantina was excellent. We ordered food. And and the same thing. They're really pushing for the mobile ordering. That's the one big thing that we didn't quite account for. Because admittedly, we don't really utilize mobile ordering even before the pandemic. We always would sort of just stand on the line and get our food. But a It's lo- just the two of us. We yeah. don't have kids. It's not a production to wait for two meals. Right. But in this case... Uh, keep in mind, they are really pushing the mobile ordering thing, which is the right thing to do. Even at the hotel, I went down to the cafeteria just to get some Joffrey's while you were golfing and they wouldn't let me in. It was only for mobile order pickup. Um, That's the only thing where there is a little bit of a discrepancy because everywhere at the resort, it says mobile ordering encouraged it should say mobile ordering mandatory because I was not allowed in unless I had an order to pick up even though it was just coffee they made me do it on my Disney experience and then when they pinged me it was ready I was allowed to go in but they are really good about allowing you to select your pickup times so like we Mm -hmm. were we were on the line at flight of passage and we knew we wanted to eat so we were able to go in and they give you like half an hour blocks that you could choose. That way they know when to start preparing your food. And when we did that, we got off the line. It was right at the beginning of our pickup window, actually, which I believe was 1.30 in the afternoon. So we headed to Satuli and then you, you, you punch in, I'm here, and then you wait for them to ping you. And you cannot even get into the building unless you've been pinged. So... Disney has done a really good job of crowd control, sanitation, and accommodating the mobile orders. Yeah, when we got to Satuli, um, everything was being wiped down. You could see it was constantly being cleaned. Um, 
you did the food and then our friend bought a round of beer. So even that we coordinated the pickup time to be the same, but even just for the round of beer, same thing. You had to do that all through the mobile ordering. Um, what they do have available, um, which is important to keep in mind, uh, since obviously water fountains are out of the question, uh, they are giving out cups of water. So that's something, um, that was really easy to get. You can get them at any any food and beverage area, um, and they'll, there's a cast member handing out water. Yeah, um, so- and they're also doing um, the the water. You didn't have to purchase, but even if you do purchase a soda, they are operating the soda fountains for you, so that not everybody is going up and touching it. Correct. So Satuli is always delicious. It's probably. At the time of this recording, it's probably the best counter service meal you can get on Disney property. It's excellent. It's always. so good. Um, so we went from there to uh, well, really just walking around and doing more shopping. But um, Joe and I went on um, Everest. Everest. That was the only time that somebody on Disney property was not maintaining their distance. Um, To come into contact with as many people as we did who were following the rules at Disney, I was actually astonished. Because you talked earlier about people, you know, getting off of the plane, people in the airports. But I think for people that are at Disney, obviously you're choosing to be there. You're passionate about wanting to be there so you're willing to follow the rules so it was really only one person that wasn't following the rules and to the point where i don't usually speak up especially because i'm wearing um i'm wearing a shirt and a hat that says monoreal radio so i try to be very careful because that's the age that we live in you know cancel culture people love it you know i i had to finally turn around and say excuse me it's literally written on the floor it's literally written in front of you where you were to stand. I mean, because this person was about a foot and a half away from me. And not like they were texting and they overwalked. This was a good five minutes that, that I waited, giving somebody the benefit of the doubt. And then they just looked at me and they took their step back and they didn't say anything. So they, this is just somebody that's just not going to follow the rules. But it's one person. I mean, tens of thousands of people that we saw or interacted with and only one person that I think was the most surprising part of the trip for me was how many people were willing to follow the rules on property. No, and the way that they have everything laid out, you really have to try to break the rules. And I think this is important too, because depending on what ride it is and how the queue is designed, that changes how things are spaced out. So, the rides where they have the chain link cues, those are easier, I think, for them to transition based on the crowds because you can do every other row and then just block off the rows that you want to leave open yeah, because chain, it's yeah. not just front to back. You also have to distance on the side. So for a ride like uh, like Flight of Passage, they do have the ability to change the flow of people they can manipulate the line exactly for a ride like we saw the following day the land that just has those wooden blocks um and soren as well you had to do the plexiglass because they have the permanent fixtures um 
so they had the plexiglass on Soren, and then for the land where they have the the wooden queue, yeah, that's the handrails exactly. That's where they really had to be careful about spacing everything out because if you turn the corner, you're going to have people coming coming at you. There's oncoming traffic. So that determines where they are putting the signage on the floor for where you can stand because sometimes they will have, it'll be more than six feet apart. In other words, you have to wait at the end of one row and then once the line moves, then you can clear that entire row so that you are not standing facing people oncoming and you're not stationary as the line next to you is moving. Right. So in other words, there were some portions of the queue where the where the line is actually 12 feet instead of six, because as you're turning a corner, as you're saying, you've got to give that extra six feet, because if you did everything six feet apart, yes, the people behind you and in front of you are six feet apart, but the person to your left or right is now only three feet away. Exactly. So that's something you have to pay attention to because they will hold you so that that doesn't happen. Yeah. They were, and they were being very uh, diligent about it, you know, where they could be. But in the middle of a line, sometimes people are left to their own device, but it was only one jerk. Everybody else was really good. Um... So, I mean, that was really our day at Animal Kingdom. Oh, you're forgetting something. Oh, what am I forgetting? An attraction that we went on. Oh. (laughs) That's right. We went and saw Seeker. We went, we convinced Sean to go on Dinosaur, which was, we took a solemn vow after riding Indiana Jones that we were never going to go on Dinosaur again. But I have a feeling that that ride is going to be short-lived. So we decided to get on it. While we still could. Yeah, Primeval World is still standing, even though they've announced its permanent closure. So um, that was a little weird. You know, you don't usually see an attraction that's permanently closed still sitting there with vehicles and track. But, I mean, there's not really much they can do with it right now. So that is sort of just standing there, um, rotting away. Um, and uh, after that, we went down to uh, Disney Springs and we ate at CityWorks over by the NBA experience um, across from the House of Blues. And this place was a surprise. I really enjoyed this more than I thought that I would. I mean, listen, it's, it's, it's pub food. It's burgers and fried cheese and a bunch of, you know, draft beer. Americana food with a twist. Right. Um, as you had pointed out a number of times, if you've ever been to a yard house, there's one by the Eye of Orlando. They're, they're sort of all over the country. This is sort of in the same vein. This food for bar food was really good. This became my go-to burger at Disney. Yeah, it was excellent. And it was really nice, too, because like you said, it's across from the House of Blues. They did have live music playing that night which is something we're really missing in new york because that that's not happening for a while um so it was it was really nice the band was great but it was just nice to be able to sit there and listen to live music it was like being in civilization again yeah like here sometimes i feel like we're in the hunger games there i felt like i was living a life so that was very nice. And um, what I noticed was some of the um, smaller stages at Disney Springs, they had like a guitar player, not a whole band, but a guitar player. And they did have to keep their mask on. The big stage by the water over by World of Disney, 
there they just had like a DJ spinning music. It wasn't anything. And it was really more for ambiance than it was anything else. And people could like get off their feet and sit for a minute. It wasn't meant for something where people could go and congregate. Yeah. And they have down by the other end, um, outside of AMC by that fountain, they have uh, Nicholas Marks, the guitar player. So good. He's excellent. Um, Yeah. You can't go anywhere near him, obviously, but you can sit in the area and you can certainly hear him play. They did a really good job of making sure that there was plenty of tables, distance, plenty of seating where you could get a drink to go and just sit and enjoy the lovely Central Florida weather and listen to music and be safe about it. I mean, I think that was the biggest takeaway. I'm not I mean, I guess I'm spoiling the end of the episode, but my biggest takeaway was how safe I felt at Disney and how good a job they did. Um and we forgot, when we got to the hotel, we forgot about this. Um, I know people have been posting about it on social media, but also something to keep in mind. When we got there, the television remote control, the soap dispensers in the bathroom, everything was bagged with a sticker that said cleaned. That way you knew they took care of it. And I think what they're doing is they are limiting the amount of contact between mousekeeping and the guests, which is great, but... Uh, don't not make your bed if you want to go into a nicely made bed at the end of the day because we didn't take that into consideration. And not that we're slobs. We don't be like, oh, let's turn the mattress upside down. Mousekeeping's coming. But usually you kind of just throw the covers back on. And we got in and we were like, oh, wait, the towels are still here. And we didn't make the bed. Keep that in mind. And like in retrospect, we should have figured that was going to happen. But um, like the, our last day, we did have to call and request that we get more towels. But I understand why. They're trying to keep everybody safe and distanced, but you should keep that in mind if you are going to Disney property and you're used to fresh towels every day. Definitely. And, I mean, we still bought Lysol wipes just to wipe everything down. I mean, they did an excellent job. I, I would have felt fine even if we didn't do that. But if you are looking to take the extra precaution, bring your own wipes, just go over the surfaces... And we did that on the plane, too. Oh, yeah. Um, but anyway, that was... I forgot to mention that when we talked about the end of our first day and what it was like arriving. But uh, the second... Well, now this is this is our second park day, but it's really our third day on property. The purpose of the trip. Was our day at Epcot. And Jackie didn't know, and I didn't realize until the day before, that... Because we are staying at Pop Century, there are multiple means of transportation that get you to Hollywood Studios and Epcot. So in an attempt to save money, in an attempt to streamline the transportation process and limit the amount of contact that people have, they were not running the buses to Epcot or MGM. Why, do you ask? Because they installed something a couple of years ago, revolutionary and engineering marvel, called the Skyliner. And the Skyliner was the only means of transportation to MGM and Epcot. No problem for me. In fact, I I relished the opportunity because I always wanted to ride the Skyliner. Sean, why did you never ride the Skyliner before? Well, Jackie, I'll throw it to you. 
What is your special name for the Skyliner? Death Cab. Let's just review. Did you get on an airplane to get to Disney World? Yes. Okay. Did you ride the monorail at Disney World? Yes. Have there been accidents on both forms of transportation, the monorail and the and the airplane? You know, we have our trip booked for next year, and you're really not doing a good job of making me want to go back. Have there been <sighs> accidents and fatalities on a Skyliner? There was an accident. Were there fatalities? No, there was no. the accident was before people were even on it yet. Yeah. When it when it uh bumped bumped, bumped in the it. exit queue. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there was an instance where people did get trapped on it for a few hours, but it was in the early stages and they were still learning. That's to be expected. But yet you call it the death cab. That is why I lay this out to you. Yet you still call it the death cab. Well, think about it. I can choose not to go on Everest. If I don't want to, I can choose not to do the Tower of Terror. There are certain roller coasters that I will do. I've always done rock and roller coaster. I do the Seven Doors Mine Train. I do Big Thunder Mountain. So, but I mean, it's different. I've grown up doing them. Now, I was left with no option. And I should have realized because even when we went to the Grand Floridian, they were not offering buses to Magic Kingdom. I mean, why would you? You're right there. But they, and I, I get it. I do understand. This is where Disney is being very smart. This is where they are making the budget cuts. If you can save on having to pay a cast member, having to save on the gas of operating a bus, of course they're going to pull some of them back when they are offering a different mode of transportation. However, I have also said to you and probably on this show that I would rather walk than take the Skyliner. Why? Is, is it the heights thing? Because we've no, never because really explained honest, this. Honestly, it doesn't matter if it's 10 feet off the ground or 50 feet off the ground. It's the dangling. That is my issue. And here you are talking about your experience on the Skyliner. Ugh. I really, I will say this. This is, this was my only beef with Disney. I do not like that we were left with no other options. I mean, could we have taken a cab? Yeah. But at that point, it just would have been foolish to spend the money. Right. Because there's no minivans right now either. Right. Um, I will say... It was very easy to get on in the morning. Um, with the shortened hours, Epcot is open from 11 to 7. Um, so we got a later start to the morning. Uh, we probably, we left the room at like 10. Yes. Um, there was no line to get on at our resort. We walked on, which was probably for the best because if there was a line, I would have talked myself out of it. Um, the takeoff is a little bumpy. The whole theme is flight. I'm not I'm not making that up. It was okay. It goes it goes a little fast. It's a little bumpy. And then after that, it's pretty smooth sailing. I did not open my eyes the entire time. Um I, no, I, that's a lie. I took a peek when we were going uh when we were getting into the Epcot area because I wanted to see Ratatouille. 
Uh, but that was a mistake because then it gets very high at that point. So the height is a little bit of an issue. But like I said, it's it's more the dangling. But the the landing was a lot smoother than I thought it was going to be. It looks fast, but um, it was actually it was actually pretty calm. And if you sit, if this is an issue for you too, if you sit backwards, it's actually a lot better because you don't get that like lurch as you're coming in. Right, because when they hit the brakes your back would really just be pressed against the back of the bench. Right. Whereas the first time we took it, because you do transfer, if you're coming from pop, you transfer at the hub to Which either is at Caribbean beach, right at Caribbean beach. And you would either go to the Riviera and then you'll, you'll stay on for Epcot. Um, the first leg I was facing forward and that's when you kind of feel the landing more. So as you said, there's the hub and you can either get on a, a line that goes to um, the Riviera and you stay on to get through Epcot. Or you can get on a separate line that just goes to studios. At the hub, we probably waited about 20 minutes to a half hour. So that's just something to, especially because they didn't leave any other options as far as the bus. Just by virtue of that many people from Pop, Caribbean Beach, and the Riviera filtering into this one area, it does build up the lines a little bit. I mean, it was totally safe. It was totally distance, but just factor that into your travel time. If you think that you're going to be at the park in seven minutes, that's about the amount of time that you're in the air. Okay. You still have to factor in that there are lines. Yes. Now, let me give from the perspective of a normal human being. Oh, my God. This was and has become my preferred form of transportation, which is going to be a problem because I'm never going to ride it again. Just buy me a breakfast margarita and, and we're good. We can do that. Um, I felt totally safe. I thought it was incredibly smooth. Yes, in air for, uh, for seven minutes from your departure from Pop to your arrival at Epcot. Um, it was a 15-minute wait at, um, at the Hub. But totally well worth it. Let me ask you, now that we have lived through a COVID world, if you had two options, your option is ride the Skyliner, just you and me in the cab, or the sweaty guy with his butt in your face with the three strollers and the kids jumping up and down, bumping into you, on a super packed bus in the morning, which, by the way, I don't think we're ever going to see those again. No, I don't think they're going to have the standing room available. I don't think you're ever going to see that again, given the nature of the way things are now. But if you had, let's say that they did do it that way. Let's say they go, you know what? Nope. Sardine can. We're, we got. We all got vaccinated. It's a sardine can. We don't care. It's all about just getting as many people off the property as we can. You want the sardine can or do you want the death cab? Death cab for the win. Okay. Uh, well, I will say this, though. They're still going. It's not going to be like this forever. They're still going to have to offer those buses because then the next day, and we will get to our review of Epcot, the next day we had breakfast at Topolino. And when we left the resort, we had a 915 reservation. We were trying to get on those Skyliners at about... Eight, well, it was more like 8.30 because we did go check the bags. Uh, the line was just too long. Yeah. So that is that is something that once the parks get back to full capacity, they're going to have to account for because 
we, we were going to miss our reservation. There were just that many people. And it, it did build up to probably about an hour wait. Right. But Epcot. So the only knock I have against the Skyliner is that if you want that view of Spaceship Earth, the visual weenie, as soon as you get to Epcot, you're not going to get that on the Skyliner because it brings you in by the International Gateway. The same way you'd enter with a friendship boat. So you're you're entering in between Great Britain and France in World Showcase. That's that's the only thing you have to keep in mind when it comes to whether or not you want that to be the first thing that you see once you are given the option of Skyliner or the bus system. Which I didn't really mind on this trip because there's so much construction at the front of Epcot. I kind of would rather wait until it's done rather than be greeted by the character walls. Yes, and let's start there. Because that's basically all that it is. Um, And you know that going in. It's not shocking. It shouldn't come as a surprise. If it comes as a surprise, you didn't research enough. But the biggest adjustment to make... I don't care about looking at construction walls. We spent years looking at construction walls for New Fantasyland, and it didn't bother me. However, between the amount of construction that they're doing, which is more than anything else, um, and... The pandemic, which I, I'm not, I'm not going to mention pandemic anymore because this entire thing is altered because of pandemic. So it's just repeating myself at this point. Where you are used to your shortcuts, your cutarounds, that is all out the window. Um, you really yeah. do have to follow the signage because a lot of the walls where you're used to walking around Spaceship Earth to get to here, get to there, will lead to a dead end, and there is really one way in and one way out of a lot of areas of future worlds specifically. Exactly. Forget Spaceship Earth as the hub and spoke because really it's just fully open from the seas, the land, and the imagination pavilions. And you can, they do take you right past the former energy pavilion, which is now going to be the Guardian's coaster. So you get to see that up close uh, and then you can access test track on that side but that doesn't go back around to the world showcase entrance um so that was the only thing uh we got on soren we got on the land both no wait for the land very minimal for soren i would say yeah maybe 10 um and then we went for test track because it wasn't open at rope drop um so we waited and then we we heard the cars going around. So we were like, all right, let's go check it out. That was up to an hour. And they're not worth noting. They're not doing single riders uh, just because you're not filling cars. Right. So we ended up skipping test track because so much of that is interactive and we didn't want to be touching screens and all that. So we said, we'll sit this one out until we go back in November uh, of 2021, not, not like in two weeks. We were also starting to feel the effects of the shortened hours at this point because normally we're in there we do am magic hours uh you know we'll take three hours to clear out the front of the park and then we'll spend the rest of the day in world showcase now we were there for about two and a half hours we did some shopping too we went to mouse gears um but we we had a dinner reservation at 4.30, and we were like, if we want to you know, start drinking around the world, we got to get moving. Right. 
and also eating the food from Food and Wine. We're not total degenerates, although I think some of our friends who did hang out with us on this trip think otherwise. We did do Spaceship Earth. Didn't think we'd ever get to do that again in its form. Um, so we were excited to go say, hey, Judy, um, and enjoy Spaceship Earth for what it is. And as weird as it sounds, I think that was the one thing I was the most excited to do on the trip was see it again. I just wanted to smell Rome burn. Um, interesting thing about Spaceship Earth, I did not think they were still going to have the video play, uh, but they did. So they still take your picture. I was expecting that, but I really didn't think they were going to do anything with touchscreens. Um, so we didn't touch it, but it still just auto played the video um, and it keyed out some really weird things. I had one eye. And <laughs> so strange. And you had the monorail logo like floating over your head from your hat. Yeah. But the rest of the hat was keyed out. It was it was really funny. Um, so after we did that, we went and said hello to Figment. Um, they are not skunking you in the face because they don't want air blowing. So that was a pleasant surprise. Um and it was good to see Figment, although I am so tired of of seeing that attraction in that form. I want the Dreamfinder back. Somebody call Ron Schneider. Let's get on this. Um, You're going to have to wait a while. Yeah, yeah, basically. Um, and then we went and hit up World Showcase. And again, they did a wonderful job with doing everything if contactless if you wanted, although at that point we were just kind of paying with the credit card. Um the food was good. I think the biggest surprise was that rosé slushy thing that we had in France because you're thinking, you know, just basic, rosé all day, um, and it's going to be a frosé. But this this had vodka in it. It had St. Germain. It had wine. This was so flavorful. I could not get over how much I enjoyed it. It was absolutely delicious that that was a big surprise um as was the frothy ramen we've heard oh my god the frothy so ramen. much about it and we were like all right we have to try it and we were not expecting it to be as good as it was it, it was sweeter than i thought it was going to be and Sweet i wasn't and sure how that was going to work but it it just does it try was it so good the other big surprise for me um was how easy it was to get a table there was no garbage can eating on this trip at all whatsoever. We got the high tables to stand at. And then even when we went to Brazil, there was a whole seating area that we got to, you know, just actually, well, yeah, we, we hit a long line in France and we knew that we were, we were crunching yeah, the time. Short on time. Yeah. Um, so you stayed online to get the frosé and I went ahead to Brazil and got the cheese bread and got the seating area. Big changes to the cheese bread. This was disappointing. Um, usually that's one of our favorite things at Food and Wine. But they were they were flat this year. They were awful. There's yeah. no two ways around it. Yeah, it was it was as flat as a pancake. And usually that's one of our favorite things. So that was kind of disappointing. Yeah, because it's usually like in a ball. It's like a puff pastry. The ones from Costco... And and everybody, all the Disney fans know what I'm talking about because you all have multiple bags in your freezer right now. Those are leaps and bounds better than the ones that they have at the Food and Wine Festival this year. I don't know why they changed it. I was incredibly disappointed that they changed it. 
Um, I noticed they were gluten-free, which I don't recall if that was always the case, but I'm wondering if that's why. I just hope that when we go back next year, you have fixed that problem because the cheese bread is a staple and it was just so bad. The other thing to keep in mind, um, obviously they've eliminated Eat the Beat from the Wine and Food Festival. Uh, There are a lot less kiosks. Um, Not to a point where, I mean, you're certainly not going to leave starving, um, but some of your favorites are not going to be there. And a lot of the um, eateries are only open on weekends. Like, for example, we went to go get the school bread in Norway, and the bakery was closed. They are closed Monday through Friday, but they did have the school bread at the beverage cart outside. Yeah, so you can still get it. That I kind of understand, though, because that bakery is a tight space. Yeah. You could still sit outside. Um, That's where we ate our school bread. Um, So that little seating area by the bathrooms is open, um, but just the bakery itself was closed. Let's talk about our meal. We usually do not... Yeah, because after we went to all of these places, we still went to dinner. You... Usually, we don't make dining reservations at Epcot because, as you pointed out before, we always go in November. So we're always there during Food and Wine Festival. So we kind of do tapas-style nosh all day, and we're good. But in this case, because we knew that it was going to be a very abridged wine and food festival, and they weren't introducing really anything new, um, it was really a greatest hits album, we said we finally wanted to eat at the San Angel Inn in Mexico. We've always wanted to do it, so we said, this is as good a time as any. Why not? Let's give it a shot. And I am so upset that we waited as long as we did to eat at this restaurant. This jumped definitely into my top 10. It may have even jumped into my top Five restaurants wow. on property. It bumped Be Our Guest. Wow. I was I not expecting was, that from I you. I thought this was better than Be Our Guest. It was excellent. The most comparable experience probably is Blue Bayou when you can eat on Pirates of the Caribbean. And for me, that was like sensory overload just to know that we were eating on the ride in Disneyland. Uh, but I think the food was better here. The food was better here. The food at Blue Bayou was excellent. But this was some of the best Mexican food I've ever had. It was just so good. And you can get the um, the avocado margarita. From the tequila cave. But at your table. Yeah. Which was actually really nice because that's become the worst kept secret. So usually you're, you know, standing in the pavilion and drinking it as you're walking around. Um, it was nice to be able to have the table service and just have it there. Yeah. Then we ate, and then after that, we did a little bit more shopping, and then we walked over to the boardwalk where we got together with Lisa from Castle Run um, at the Abracadabar, um, which was was really cool, like a magician-themed bar. You wouldn't think to do something like that, but it was cool. And then I, I I felt like a child because I ordered the Abracadabra margarita, whatever it was called, the I don't remember. You felt like a child ordering a margarita? Well, because then they come over and I just wanted my drink. I know. And they're, now say the magic word. And I was like, 
drink? What am I supposed to They're like, ha, ah, that's fine. Abracadabra. And I was like, I had to say it. And then they basically just top off your drink. But it changes color. It goes from like a purple to a purple. Um, <laughs> like a, <laughs> like lighter. a deeper purple. They pour, they pour the, like the orange juice in and it changes the color. But yeah, I wasn't prepared. I, and we should have known better. I wasn't prepared to have to play along. Yeah. I just thought they were going to serve us. But that was actually it, it is one of those things that you take for granted when it comes to the cast members yeah. to put the experience over the top. Yeah. And similar to Brennan and Catherine, I, Lisa is an open book on her blog and certainly in her videos. Um, give her a follow at the Castle Runner. And same thing. Even better in person. You know, just one of those people that's even better in person. Specifically, most more recently, she posted a picture on the death cab and she looks lovely. She's got she's relaxed. She's got the sun setting behind her. And Jackie, hold <laughs> my coffee while she white knuckled the bench. Horrified, looking down at the looking at the floor with your eyes closed, literally white knuckling the bench while we went three miles an hour. I have goals now. What? Open your eyes? <laughs> Baby steps. Yes. One day I'm going to get a picture like Lisa on the on the Skyliner. Okay. Um, and then the next day, uh, you bailed out of the Skyliner. Well, you were bailed out of the Skyliner because of the weight. You were bailed out. That was not my fault. No, not your fault. Um, I wonder if it was the day that we were there because we jumped on the Skyliner on... Tuesday didn't wait by Wednesday because I guess a lot of people are doing their Wednesday through Sunday trip all of a sudden the line wrapped over the bridge and around that I think that's the 70s building in the back because we were in the 80s section I mm. mean it was definitely at least an hour wait before you even got on so we took a taxi over to the Riviera it was a lousy seven bucks it wasn't that expensive no it wasn't bad at all I think it had to do more than anything else with the time that we left because we left at 10 which is a later start to get to the park by 11 this was prime time yeah people going for breakfast and people trying to get to the park early so that they can get through security, which honestly was not really necessary um, unless you're there on a weekend. But I think a lot of people are used to what it was before all of this happened. I think they're used to what it is on the weekends and they kind of over They were anticipating they, the crowd. Which, which, which I totally get, especially with the abridged hours. But um, I didn't think it was necessary to give ourselves that much time. But anyway, with that being said, we went and ate breakfast at Topolino. And this was a surprise for me. You pay your 42 bucks. You get your pastries at the table. You get your coffee. You get your juice. You get to choose. Pog juice. Pog juice. You get to choose, choose an entree. So like on the surface of it, you're like, well, 42 bucks is kind of a lot to get scrambled eggs, bacon, and pastry. But what they don't tell you until you're there is it's not buffet, but they will just keep bringing you food. Like, we finished our breakfast and they were like, you guys want more waffles? We'll bring more. Like, you could just keep eating if you want. There's no reason to do that, of course, because you won't be hungry. But keep that in mind when you look at the price point. Um, because for the same money that you would spend at a buffet, you can have this really, really good sit-down meal. But let's talk about the experience at Topolino. The Riviera is beautiful. Yes. They did such an amazing job with this resort. It's absolutely gorgeous. Uh, I love the theming. Um, they got us seated pretty quickly. Um, and it was the same thing. It was the you you checked in online, and then they sent you a text. 
Yeah, and then as soon as you sit down, um, they had the music piping through and they bring the characters out. And really, the only difference is that they're not coming up to the table for a photo op. You still got plenty of FaceTime with your core four. It's Mickey, Minnie, Donald, and Daisy. Uh, They have a really cute little storyline about what their jobs are at the Riviera. Mickey's a writer and Daisy's a dancer. Donald's a sculptor. It, It was really cute. Uh, and I would say they were out about every 15 minutes on and off. Yeah, there was very little time spent without a character there. And they did a song, um, just like a generic celebration song, if you're there for a birthday, an anniversary. It was like a blanket statement for a celebration, but it, it was cute. They still did it. They still had, you know, that was when they brought all four of them out together and they would walk around and clap. Uh, but then when they would come out individually, they were really, really good about going slow and giving you the photo op, even though you weren't, they weren't coming to your table. And you couldn't go up to them, mind you. Right. But they would walk very slowly. And, you know, if they walked past you, they would turn around and pose. So you still got your picture, which which I thought was really cool. They really, it, it didn't feel like an altered experience at all. Not at all. And the food was awesome. Seasonal sangria. Oh, the seasonal sangria. We had, um, it was one that was Chianti and apple cider based. It was so good. Um, but the the sour cream, what was Waffles. it? Sour cream raw. Oh my God. They did they were like a really Chantilly. Good. It was so good. So good. Um, and our server was outstanding. I mean, we can't speak enough about the cast members and we will in just a moment here. But he was wonderful. I think... I'm not going to necessarily go every trip because we don't we only do like one character breakfast per trip anyway. So between the one at Ohana with Lilo and Stitch, the one at Chef Mickey's, now this one, you know, there's only there you can only do so many of them. But I were to say I or I am to say that if I were to go and someone said, "Hey, you're going to go have one breakfast at Disney." Um, I'm going to take you there, pick a place. I'd probably pick this because it's not just the atmosphere and the food but it's the view Mm. because they the way they have it it's almost floor-to-ceiling windows from certain angles you can see epcot you can see the tower of terror like in spite of the fact that we had already been there for four days and it was the last thing that we were doing before we left other than go to disney springs one more time it was the most at disney i felt the entire time i agree um, oh, let's talk about the cavalcades because we didn't talk about those. Um, so fun. They're so much fun. I really hope that they keep those. Like, honestly, I would rather have these random experiences than have to wait an hour before the parade starts to get a good spot. I mean, the parades are so much fun. I, I'm not saying that I hope they never bring them back because I do. Um, but I hope that it's, it's a mix of both moving forward. These were so cool. I think because waiting for parades and fireworks have become so regimented. And in some cases you need a fast pass. Um, these random experiences, it made you feel like you hit the lottery 
because they were so special and they were so random that you would get so excited. Like you would just hear the music and you were like, Cavalcade! And it made me <laughs> feel like a six-year-old. Yeah, like when we got to Epcot, I couldn't have asked for better. Anna and Elsa were coming by. It was like they, they escorted us into the park just because of the timing. And it was amazing. And the way that they piped the music through, it was like a whole medley of Frozen 2. It was awesome. Um, you get some really good photo ops with them. The one, the ones at Animal Kingdom are so smart where you just have them going around on boats all day because we probably, you saw them every time you were in the vicinity of water. Yeah, that was really, really fun too. And they would just wave and say hello and you could snap your pictures of them. Um, but I loved the cavalcades. Like to me, this is extra magic. This This adds to the guest experience. So yeah. I really, really hope they keep them. Let's talk about cast members as we're kind of getting towards the end of our trip here. Yeah, because the last day that we were there, they did announce that there were going to be more layoffs specifically with entertainment. And it that was really upsetting because we were enjoying the cavalcade so much. And what they're eliminating is the similar experiences like the Citizens of Hollywood the on Sunset Boulevard. Yeah, the hoop doo review. That was really, really sad. And that that sort of put a damper on things. It did put a damper on things because we were enjoying it so much. And, you know, as we said, it was the most normal we felt. And then it's like you get that dose of reality again. And really, our our hearts go out to the cast members. And I'm going to link to um, there's the cast member pantry, yeah. I believe. Um, I'll link on our social media because there are... Uh, some organizations that are being set up where you can help cast members out. I would like to think that with the amount of souvenirs that were purchased on our trip alone, that we were able to do some good. Um, but no, in all seriousness, it's, it's sad that this is still happening. And what's disappointing to me is the reactions to it. I mean, of course, everyone's upset. Of course, you're going to sympathize with the cast members, but the way that people are attacking Disney over this, like, yes, they're a corporation and they have to do what they have to do for the business. But I think what people are sort of forgetting is that if we want to have Disney and if we want our happy place to weather the storm, this is what has to be done for now. Yeah. And it sucks. You don't want to see it, but for it to return to its natural form 100% of what it was before this is just business this is the cost of doing business and maybe that's ice cold and maybe that seems mean and I I hate to be this way but there's no other way to look at it that's not to say that we don't feel for these people but we do. We, we certainly do. I, I hurt for them the most. But I, I guess what I'm saying is I'm not surprised. That's I'm, I'm, what I'm saying is I'm not surprised. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's what I'm talking about. As far as the reaction, people are still surprised by this. And it's, this is unfortunately not the end of it. I mean, for things like Nemo and Festival of the Lion King, I get it. You can't have people in the theaters yet. And until we're at a hundred percent capacity, that that's the other thing is like, you have to look at this from the other side is that there are less crowds. So 
those are time sucks so that if there is an hour wait at Everest, you can go to Festival of the Lion King and you're still entertained. You're not going to have an hour wait at Everest or flight of passage anymore where you need a crowd suck. So that's the give and take and that's the balance. And I'm certainly not in favor of the cast members being laid off, but I do understand it. Right. I mean, like I said before, from a pure business perspective, this is not a surprise. Without getting too far into it, because I want to go back to talking about the cast members, but I'm going to throw this out there, okay? And this is the most I will say about this because I do not ever talk politics on this show. I am not mad at Disney. I am mad at certain governors of certain states on the West Coast of the United States um, that are being stubborn and not listening and not giving Disney the means to prove that they can handle a reopen. And that's why a lot of people got laid off. Okay. Disneyland has lost two and a half billion dollars because Gavin Newsom will not open them. And that is the trickle down effect. People like people don't think about it. And it's funny right. because like when you watch right. the Imagineering story and they talk about Paris costs so much money, so we had to trim back on Disney's California adventure, or this attraction never opened at MGM Studios because they lost money on Euro Disney. It's kind of like we've kind of come full circle again. And because they can't open California because of Newsom, and that's who it's because of, make no mistake about it. Um this is now the trickle-down effect that you're feeling in Orlando. And, like, you kind of take a lot of things for granted. I, I, I honestly, maybe I was naive, but I didn't even think about it. That that one park could have an effect on the entire company, and it has. And it's the movies, too. Yeah. I think that's what people forget is... There is, I mean, of course you have individual budgets for individual projects, but there's not a movie budget. There's not a parks budget. It's, it's, you kind of rob from Peter to pay Paul in some cases. Yeah. So when Star Wars opens and there's a huge, you know, rush to the box office, that money gets fed into things like Disney 50 and all of the projects that they had announced and and that's sort of how they balance it out. So, yeah, when one park is hurting, the entire company is going to feel the effects of it. Right. So because of that, this is the trickle-down effect. And it's really infuriating because they're not being given the chance to show how good they are doing it in Orlando. And this is what, I'm ta- this is what I want to talk about now with the cast members. There were... You you could not go anywhere without cast members enforcing the distancing, cast members enforcing sanitization of countertops and tables and chairs. And you could not encounter one cast member who didn't thank you for coming back. Yeah. I actually thankfully had the big hat and the sunglasses and the and the stupid mask on um, as we were leaving Epcot on the last day because I was on the verge of tears because it was the first time that it had hit me that we were always kind to cast members. We always said thank you. You know, we would we we don't yell at cast members. We see so many people that are nasty with cast members and it just gets me so heated when I see it. But it was the first time that I felt like I took it all for granted. Yeah. And 
I can tell you I will never feel that way again. But these cast members were out of bounds this trip. They were so good when it came to everything to the point where I kind of didn't want to come home. Well, you never want to leave Disney, but I did not want to come home for two reasons. A, I wanted to like, and this is exactly what the mouse wants. I wanted to keep spending money because I had it in my mind that I could save the cast members by buying more popcorn buckets. But I didn't want to come home because it was the safest I've felt in seven months. I did not want to go back to going to Stop and Shop. I didn't want to go back to going into CVS because I have not felt safer than I felt at Disney. And I think that that is all because of the protocols that the company put in place. This is why they didn't rush to reopen. This is why they let Universal go first. But it is mostly because of the cast member. And everything that they have done in the past and, and do now and will continue to do in the future to ensure that you have the best experience possible. No, and it's amazing the effort and the kindness and the joy that they still put forth when they know that they could be next. And that's what's truly amazing to me is that, you know, they could stop caring and they don't. So in conclusion... Because our last day at Springs, we were kind of just hopping and bopping a little bit and doing a little shopping and a quick Spending more money. Spending more money. Um, I think, in conclusion, this was incredible. They did a great job. I'm not going to gush over that again because I've done that enough. If you are somebody that wants the full experience wants the parades, wants the fireworks, wants to wait online four hours to meet Anna and Elsa. You have to get your pictures for your Instagram to show what a great parent you are. Or if you have the inability to stand on a line painted on the floor and, and be patient, I'm not suggesting you don't go. I'm telling you do not go. Because... Those are the people that are going to walk away and say they had an awful time. Those are the people that are going to prevent California from reopening. And they're the people that are also going to... Right, because you're not going to help the spread of anything because you're going to be on top of everybody. Um, But you're going to make the experience miserable for you, your party, and the parties around you. If you think that you can go... And have a slightly abridged experience. And when I mean slightly, I mean no parades, no fireworks, and no character meet. Which for some people is everything. For us, it's not that much. Um, If you think you can live without those things, I mean, book your trip now. I mean, go. Go and support them. Do your thing. And and enjoy it. Um, I felt that strongly about it. Um, I'm really looking forward to our trip next year. I will say this. Going in, I kept saying that I don't think that we would have booked our trip for the abridged experience had we not already been going to Florida. Now coming out on the other side, I absolutely would have still done it. I think had we gone to the kingdom 
And had we gone to studios, we probably would have felt the impact a little bit more. But for what this was, just to go around and eat and drink at Animal Kingdom and Epcot for two days, it was perfect. Um, So with that said, if you're looking for the full experience, you are not going to get it now. You may not even get it next year. I think things will be better next year. Um, I think, you know, once they've had a year of practicing and seeing what works, what doesn't, it's going to be a little bit better. And I think they're going to start to lift some of the restrictions a bit more, but it's not going to be back to normal yet. So if you can't handle it, then maybe sit this one out. But as far as I'm concerned, I was just so happy to be there. And yeah, I I can't wait for next year. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us this week for a special uh, edition of Monorail Radio, and we hope you guys enjoyed our trip recap. Don't forget to follow us on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Monorail Radio. You can also rate, review, and subscribe to the show on your podcast platform of choice. And uh, email us. Let us know, have you guys been down to the parks? Do you plan on going to the parks? Uh, monorealradio at gmail.com. And, of course, you can go to monorealradio.com for links to the email, the social media, and all of the places where you can subscribe to the show. We will be back for our regularly scheduled movie review later this week. So until then, for Jackie, I'm Sean. Have a magical week, everyone. On behalf of Monoreal Radio, we'd like to thank you for joining us. We'll see you at the movies, the stuff dreams are made of.